Chapter twenty three of the Autobiography of a Supertramp by William H. Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter twenty three Gridling. It was a beautiful morning in September when I left the Ark with every prospect of fulfilling this mission. As I advanced towards the country, mile after mile, the sounds of commerce dying low and the human face becoming more rare i lost for the time being my vision of the future being filled with a piece of present objects i noted with joy the first green field after the park the first bird that differed from the sparrow the first stile in the hedge after the carved gate and the first footpath across the wild common that was neither of gravel nor ash i had something like nine shillings in my pocket and i felt that business was out of the question as long as any of this remained reaching st albans on the first night i walked through that town and making a pillow of my pack lay down on the wild common it seemed as though extra bodies of stars had been drafted that night into the heavens to guard and honour the coming of age of a beautiful moon and this fine scene kept me awake for two or three hours in spite of tired limbs this seemed to me a glorious life as long as summer lasted and one had money to buy food in towns and villages through which he passed for three or four days i walked and idled standing on culverts and watching the water burst from darkness into light listening to the birds or looking at a distant spire that was high enough and no more to show that a quiet town was lying there under a thousand trees i reached northampton and it was in this town that i intended to start business on the following day though i still had a few shillings left having slept in the open air since leaving london with this object i proceeded to examine my pack with the intention of filling my pockets with the different wares to draw them forth one or two at a time as they would be needed so that night previous to the great business that was to be transacted on the following day i sought a quiet corner in the lodging-house and began to unroll my paper parcel as i proceeded to do this it seemed to me that the inner part of the parcel was damp and then i remembered the two or three heavy showers that we had on the second day of my travels on a further examination i discovered to my horror that the goods were entirely unfit for sale that the parcel had been so bent and misshapen one way and the other during my night's repose that the needles had cut through their rotten packets and were stuck in the pin-papers and that a great number of pins had concealed their whole bodies in the needle packets showing plainly the guilty tops of their heads the laces were twisted and turned and their tags were already rusted this was a great blow to me as there seemed nothing else to do but send home for the few shillings that had now become due but on second thoughts i made up my mind to travel without stock of any kind not doubting but what i would rise to the emergency after the last penny had been expended and i was under the force of necessity thinking northampton too large a town in which to starve i determined to remain here until my funds were exhausted when desperation would urge me to action with this idea i took life very easily for a couple more days even inviting poverty by being unusually extravagant going to the extreme of buying milk for my tea but when i became reduced to the last sixpence i decided to make all speed to birmingham as the resources of that city it being so much larger would be a better place to serve my wants starting on this journey without any more delay 
i was soon going into the town of rugby tired penniless and hungry what was i to do something had to be done and that at once i had to face the horrible truth that i was now on the verge of starvation whilst busy with these unpleasant thoughts i heard a voice shout to me from the roadside and looking in that direction saw a man sitting in the grass eating from a paper parcel which was half spread before him on going over to see what this man wanted i found an apparently tall man and large in proportion who was dressed in seedy-looking clothes which were torn and patched in a good many places in fact something seemed to have been gnawing night after night at the bottom of his trousers taking advantage of him in his sleep for these hung in tatters and rags just below the calves of his legs the man had a freckled face which was almost lost in an abundance of red hair and his head was as thick with the same what helped to make his appearance strange and perhaps ridiculous was a schoolboy's small cap to cover the crown of such a large head have a mouthful of this he said inviting me to partake of some bread and meat it is dry eating i must say but as we go into rugby we can wash it down with a pint or two of beer i thanked him for his kindness and accepting his invitation seated myself on the grass what's in your bundle he asked looking askance at a small brown paper parcel which contained a clean shirt socks and a handkerchief are you selling anything i explained to him that i was a licensed hawker but had not yet been long enough at the business to make a success of it what he cried with some surprise a one-legged man not to be successful i get all i want by just opening of my mouth although he added with some scorn i know that some people cannot beg unless they have something in their hands to sell but if you travel with me all you will have to do is to pick up the coppers after i had finished eating he proposed to set off immediately and as we walked leisurely along i wondered how it was possible for a big healthy fellow like this to be able to exist in any other manner than by selling on coming to the first public-house he politely invited me to enter which i did when he called for two pints of beer he then became communicative telling me he was a griddler and a good one too which i understood to mean a grinder although i had not seen tools of any description either in his hands or in his pockets he paid for two or three pints of beer in quick succession and not having had much to drink for a considerable time i began to feel somewhat elated and began to make a laughing joke of my circumstances now said this man to business for we must get the price of our beds and a little breakfast for the morning not to mention the night's supper all you have to do he said again is to pick up the coppers as they come wondering what these words could mean i followed him on this pleasant afternoon up several side streets until we came to the end of one very long street which had respectable-looking houses on either side of the road my strange companion walked several yards down this street and then came to a sudden halt in the middle of the road now said he for the third or fourth time all you have to do is to pick up the coppers i ask you to do no more except he added grinning rather unpleasantly except to see that we are not picked up by the coppers his joke appeared simple enough and i could not fail to understand it but it was not at all to my relish the last-named coppers were police officers who would be likely to take hold of us for illegally appropriating the copper coins of the realm are you going to pick up the coppers he asked a little impatiently seeing me standing irresolute and undecided as to what to do 
scarcely knowing how to answer him i said that if i saw any coppers he need have no fear but what i would pick them up all right that's good he said at the same time moving several feet away from me i stood still watching these mysterious movements and thinking of the coppers wondering from what source they would be supplied he now turned his back without more ado and setting his eyes on the front windows before him began to my amazement to sing a well-known hymn singing it in the most horrible and lifeless voice i have ever heard in spite of the drink which had now taken effect making my head swell with stupidity i still felt an overwhelming shame at finding myself in this position i stood irresolute not knowing whether to wait the result of this or to leave him at once with short ceremony but whilst ruminating in this frame of mind i heard a window open with a loud creak saw the shaking of a fair hand and then heard a copper coin fall on the hard earth within a yard of where i stood being penniless i was nothing loath to take possession of this coin and had scarcely done so when a front door opened on the other side of the street and a fat florid old gentleman appeared and beckoned me across to him going immediately to this gentleman i received tuppence and after thanking him joined my companion in the road now as i belong to a race of people that are ever prone to song whether it be in a public-house or a prayer-meeting it will not surprise many to know that ere long i was making strong attempts to sing bass to this man's miserable treble and only ceased to do so when it became necessary to stoop and pick up the coppers which continued to come in at the rate of two to the minute the effect of my voice on my companion was immediately apparent his limbs shook his knees bent and knocked together and his voice quivered and quavered with a strong emotion he was now singing another well-known hymn better known perhaps than the last and what with his tall form bent double to half its height and the wringing of his hands in despair a poor wretch who was apparently broken both in body and spirit he was at this particular stage the most miserable-looking mortal i have ever beheld he was in this old man's broken attitude when to my surprise he suddenly straightened his great body and gazed about one second down the street after which he quickly turned on his heels saying in short peremptory tones quick march at the same time suiting the action to the words in sharp military steps what the people in their different windows and on their doors thought of this change i cannot say i looked down the street and then saw that a police officer had just turned his far corner and was coming slowly in our direction my companion waited for me at our end of the street where i joined him as soon as possible it is getting harder every day for a poor man to get a living he said when i stood beside him suppose you count the earnings he said we work together well on doing this i found twenty pennies to be in my possession and at his suggestion we there and then shared them alike friend he began before we commence again let me give you a word or two of advice first of all you sing in too lusty a voice as though you were well fed and in good health secondly you are in too much of a hurry to move on and would get out of people's hearing before they have time to be affected try to sing in a weaker voice draw out the easy low notes to a greater length and cut the difficult high notes short as though you had spasms in the side your object is to save your voice as much as possible indifferent to the demands of music or the spirit of the song when we start in another street he continued but at this admonitory point i cut him short telling him that i had had enough of uh griddling what 
enough of chanting he cried in amaze why my dear fellow it is the best thing on the road bar none all right he said seeing my determination not to make a fresh start we will make our way to the lodging-house it is not far from here we were soon comfortably settled in this place and when after having had a good tea i was sitting smoking and enjoying a newspaper i felt more pleased than ashamed of what i had done for i was going to bed with an easy stomach and had coppers in my pocket for a good breakfast therefore when a fellow-lodger a hawker who was now taking an inventory of his wares and who had probably seen and heard us singing that day when following his own calling when this man inquired of me if the town was good for griddlers i answered him very pleasantly indeed that there was nothing to complain of after breakfast the next morning my companion of the preceding day proposed putting in a good eight hours work but i at once cut him short saying that such a business was not in my line now several women were at this place some of them were married and some single and most of them made and sold fancy work of embroidery after i had spoken so decisively to my companion he had sat near to one of these women at the other end of the kitchen this woman who seemed to be the wife of a knife and scissors grinder had a little girl of about seven years of age yes said this woman in answer to some question my companion had made you can have the kid all day it's not the first time by a long way for marianne to be used by griddlers and she knows as well as you what's wanted of her not long after this remark my companion and the woman's child left the kitchen together this i subsequently often saw done almost any woman if she called herself a true traveller would lend her child for this purpose the woman or child of course deriving some part of the profit so that when a man is seen with one or more children it is not always to be granted that he is the father of them these children are rarely subjected to ill usage except that of enforced tramping but are more often spoilt by indulgence especially if they show early signs of that cunning which is needed for their future and which is the boast of their parents what a merry lot of beggars were assembled here and how busy they all seemed to be making articles for sale and washing and mending their clothes two or three of them sitting shirtless during the process of drying it has become a common expression to say dirty tramp or as dirty as a tramp but this is not always true except occasionally in the large cities although such a term may be applied morally to them all there is one species of tramp who wanders from workhouse to workhouse and this man having every night to conform strictly to the laws of cleanliness is no less clean and often cleaner than a number of people whose houses contain bathrooms which they seldom use another species of tramp is proud of being a good beggar who scorns the workhouse but who knows well that a clean appearance is essential to his success for this reason any one that enters a common lodging-house can at once see what efforts are being made to this end it seems strange to say but the dirtiest-looking tramp is often the most honest and respectable for he has not the courage to beg either food or clothes nor will he enter the doors of a workhouse i have seen this so often the case that i would much prefer to believe a dirty ragged tramp who might tell me that he had a good home six months previous than to believe his cleaner namesake who seems so eager to impart this information unsolicited it is certainly the man who has had a good home and has been waited on by other hands who soon succumbs to a filthy condition when it becomes necessary to wait on himself by washing and patching his own clothes 
and the higher his former position has been the lower he sinks in the social strata it is no difficult matter to get company when travelling the pedlar whom i have mentioned before asked me if i was going towards coventry and if i intended to do business on the road to this question i answered that such might be the case but i could not say for sure at the same time knowing that it was very unlikely come along then he said and do business if you feel inclined but i warn you it is a very poor road for a gridler we started at once and in the course of our journey i told him everything my first experience of gridling and my dislike to it and how my wares had been spoilt by the rain which had prevented me through having no stock nor money to buy it from earning my living in a respectable manner as a pedlar of course he said you have a pedlar's certificate i answered him in the affirmative and added that i had not earned one penny with it up to that moment as we jogged along talking in this way we came to a small village when the pedlar stopping short asked if i would like to help him to do a little trade knowing that something had to be done as i had but twopence halfpenny in my pocket i assured him that i would hearing this he took two bundles of laces from his pack leather and mohair and placed them in my hands at the same time saying you work on one side of the village and i'll attend to the other i passed several houses before i had the courage to knock at their doors but seeing him go calmly from door to door i nerved myself to follow his example and was soon doing the same and as far as i could see was meeting with more success this so encouraged me that i was soon regretting that i had no more houses left on my side of the village but instead of waiting patiently until he had done i took a desperate notion and went back to the houses which i had at first passed after this we jogged on towards coventry which we reached that evening we worked coventry together for four or five days and the result was nine shillings and some odd pence in my pocket this pedlar was going to spend a week or two with a brother in birmingham whom he had not seen for a number of years but before we left coventry he persuaded me to stock myself with three shillings worth of stuff and said he never let a day pass you without doing some business however little and never allow your stock to get low we reached birmingham and after he had shown and recommended a lodging-house he wished me good-bye with many hopes that we might meet again as usual my first inquiry after i had settled for my lodgings was for the public library this place i found so much to my liking what with its variety of journals its number of papers and so much comfort and accommodation for its visitors that business was entirely out of the question until the third day when i woke to the awkward fact that my last three coppers were then being spent on a meal at this i made up my mind to hawk on the outskirts of birmingham for a month or more so that my evenings might be enjoyed in its library but apparently i was not cut out for this kind of business hawking required a perseverance which i certainly did not possess for when a person declined to make a purchase instead of crying up the cheapness of my wares i walked away dumbfounded to the next house yes the success or ill success of this buying and selling was all a simple matter of tongue a big able-bodied fellow with a persistent tongue can talk charity out of the people who indifferently pass the silent blind man of course this business of hawking with a few cheap laces and a few packets of common pins or needles was after all only another name for begging and it was well for us that the people knew it for they often paid for what they declined to receive 
they knew that these things were to be had much cheaper at a store in exoneration of this fraudulent selling a man was expected to tell some tale of distress this i found difficulty in doing except on being asked direct questions and the people would often stand after refusing to purchase with their hands in their pockets ready to assist on the first confession of distress the number of times people have called me back after i have left their doors and assisted me has often proved to me how they have waited to have their first feelings of pity strengthened by some recital of poverty no doubt there was some sort of a living to be made in this way providing a man talked incessantly and went for hours from house to house and from street to street and when he failed in the line of business to plead for the sake of charity it must have been over two hours and my takings had amounted to nine pence nearly all profit i admit looking at this paltry amount i now reversed my former opinion as to the resources of a large city and came to the conclusion that the small country towns and villages were after all more willing if not better able to support me therefore instead of returning to the city i took the road towards warwick intending when i reached that town to use my tongue to some purpose and how many houses have i visited with the same resolution but alas many of the towns were passed through without any one hearing the sound of my voice end of chapter twenty three recording by expatriate in bangor maine